stay at home and protect lives. That's the clear warning from the health secretary, Matt Hancock, who says it's not a request, but an instruction. I folks, quick update for me on the campaign against coronavirus. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Finding faster ways to test people who may have the virus. And it was such an incredible moment that it's now taking place every Thursday at 8 p.m. None of us can say when this will end, but end it will. Hello and welcome to Corona Chronicles, where in the coming weeks we will attempt to touch base with a wide range of people from all walks of life to talk about how the current situation is impacting them both professionally and personally, as well as offering a cup full of cheer, some top tips and stats, and most importantly to touch virtual base with a cheery hello and without the need for hand sanitizer. I'm Nick Randall. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me How are these stresses and strains of lockdown affecting both our mental health and the ability to get a good night's sleep? And when we do sleep... How are our dreams being impacted? Well, Swansea University's Mark Blygrove is a professor of psychology, a sleep scientist and a dream researcher. And he joins me now. Welcome to the show, Professor Blygrove. Um, Have you been monitoring people's dream experiences during the pandemic? And, And if so, what results are you getting? We've been inviting health workers and key workers to contact us and discuss the dreams that they've been having so a lot of these dreams have been very very interesting Mm. we're doing it in a bit more detail than some people are doing some people are doing surveys and what we're doing is discussing the dreams with them or that each individual's dream with them in in depth for about an hour and a half right what what sort of results are you getting we've generally found that the people who are healthcare workers who are dealing with covid are having really quite negative uh, emotional dreams mm. one of them was a nurse who was at a party in her dream and it was a very smart party lots of people drinking wine in a big house and she was needing to explain to them about the danger of covid and they weren't believing her and they were just ignoring her and then mm. after that she was being suffocated by a cat that was on her Gosh. so it was it was uh, it was that, that was quite a, a worrying one. There was another doctor who's involved in doing testings for COVID, and she was dreaming of doing a finding a cure for it. So there was that one. But we did also have another person who had a very positive dream because she she wasn't really involved in any of the negative sides of it all. She's her ward is now much less busy. And she was having a very positive dream about uh, swimming in the ocean and seeing a a seal there. (laughs) So we've had a a complete range of dreams. But on the whole, they do seem to be related to people's waking life. And this is the idea that you uh, sort of collate this data and come back with possibly some sort of techniques, you know, meditation or whatever, in order Mm. to to, to help them? Or is it just literally to to get an idea of what they're dreaming? The the main idea for doing this is that because now people 
seem to be reporting their dreams more, partly because they've got more emotional lives. And so that causes them to do so. Uh, that may cause the dreams to become more vivid, but also because a lot of people are having more time to uh, sleep and and to remember dreams and and a greater amount of time to tell their dreams yes, to other people. Yes. So the main reason we were doing this was to discuss it with each individual in order to help them to make sense of the dream. Mm. And so what we do is there's a procedure that takes about an hour and a half in which you get a full detailed account of the dream and then you also get an account of from the person of what they've been doing in their waking life and you match the two together to try and make some sense of the dream and you do this with a whole group of people who are beaming in from around the world from california and japan and other places and it follows a technique that's the sort of recognized technique for discussing dreams in, a, in an outside psychotherapy sure. so it's for a lay people type of procedure in which the dream and the waking life are matched together okay and um are you in a, in a way trying to exorcise them in the future yes there, there might be a bit of there might be a bit of exorcism going on in the <laughs> in the if if people are waking up with a puzzling worrying dream and they just leave it mm. um i mean one option is to just forget the dream but a lot of these are really quite unforgettable mm. and so our our idea is that talking about the dream and where it came from can be quite beneficial to the person because during the night the the person's brain was itself concentrating on what it was that was bothering them and hence it produced this dream we do though do it for another reason which is that while the discussion is happening the artist that i work with julia lockhart she's painting the dream at the same time oh how wonderful and so what yes yeah, so, so what results is that the dream sharer the, the dreamer can have a permanent record of the dream a, a, a small painting of it and that that can remind them of it and they can discuss the dream with other people and uh, and talk about it that's 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 a wonderful idea and of course it's got to be said that dreams are are just the way of our sort of filtering out all this information trying to make sense of of the day that's just mm. happened Yes, I mean, we, we do experiments at Swansea Sleep Lab in which we have confirmed what other people have also found, which is that if you have a whole range of things happening to you during the day, some of them emotional, some of them non-emotional, it tends to be the, the emotional ones that end up in your dreams. Mm. And so the idea is that if your brain is filtering these during the night and making these plots and films and scenes out of this raw material of what's happened to you in waking life, then it can be beneficial to you to then look at what that filtering has done. And in a way, treat it like, in a way, like a film. It's treating it like a piece of fiction that you've mm. produced because the dream will almost never copy what's happened to you in waking life. Yes. But you and the people you're discussing with it with can look at the dream, discuss it, try and make sense of it in terms of the dreamer's waking life and then enjoy and be intrigued by the painting 
afterwards. Yes. And of course, managing to hang on to the dream because they disappear so quickly in the ether. Mm. <laughs> yes, precisely. Yes. Yeah. Um, are certain dreams or even nightmares pretty clear in their interpretations or does it vary widely between different people based on their own sort of unique experience? It does tend to happen when people have nightmares that on the whole, the nightmares don't repeat what's been happening in waking life. So there was a famous study done after an earthquake in California, and there was a big increase in the number of nightmares that were happening, but it was only a small number of them were actually nightmares about being in an earthquake. Mm. And so often the nightmares or the dreams are often quite metaphorical, but it is interesting what we're finding of it, they they are somewhat transparent sometimes the one the one that we discussed it with last week was a doctor who's suddenly been graduated quickly from university so he's had to go to the front line very very quickly and he had a dream that was uh, referred to the pub that he usually went to as a <laughs> student and the pub has become his family home mm. so it's a, a sort of a dream of suddenly being much more responsible and much more uh, grown up and, and needing to look after the next generation mm. was, was part of the dream, yes. Okay, oh, that's absolutely fascinating. What type of dreams should we expect, um, or should we be concerned about that might sort of point to other issues like broken up sleep or obviously outside concerns? There's the one with t but, your teeth falling out or something. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. The famous ones don't actually seem to happen that often. You know, it's more, I mean, there are themes, you know, things like, you know, finding a new room in your house mm. or being in a car that's running out of control, that type of thing. So there can be particular themes that are, that occur, but they're not really as common as they appear to be. It's more like those ones become very memorable, but most dreams seem to be a reflection of what's going on in your current waking life. And it's very, very personal, the way that they manage to depict what was in your waking life. So, for example, the young man who suddenly had a lot of responsibility thrown on him, he was then dreaming of the pub he used to go to being changed. So that's a very sort of personal way of depicting responsibility, mm. that the pub has now become a family home. Yes, yes. Obviously, because people are sleeping at different times now and they're sleeping far more, they're, they're staying up late, um, they're probably drinking more alcohol, eating more food, mm. and there's the odd nana nap during the day. Presumably all that's going to impact uh, their dreams. Well, the alcohol will diminish them because the oh. alcohol tends to diminish your amount of rapid eye movement sleep and it also makes your sleep during the night more disrupted. Okay. So alcohol would have the, the opposite effect to that. But on the whole, having a more emotional day and time to remember the dream and talk about it in the morning is, is what would increase the amount of recall of vivid dreams. Sure. How long do we tend to dream in an average night? We, we might have... Well, most rapid eye movement sleep periods, if you wake people up from them, 80% of them, you will get a dream. Mm. And we have about five of those periods a night. So you're possibly dreaming about three or four times a night. But as is well known, most of those you don't remember. Mm. And even if you wake up and remember them, they are forgotten very, very quickly. 
and on this sort of more general note about the sort of psychology of a nation, I mean, the unease we, we might have about the COVID-19 could be pushing and pulling at us in, in all sorts of different mm. ways that we don't even realise. Um, and that's obviously, it could be as potentially dangerous as the virus itself, feelings of hopelessness, anxiety. Yes, it's, it's very, very possible that people are um, anxious during the day, then that will increase the, the amount of anxiety that they will have. And of course, what can also happen is the dream can then provide a picture of the anxiety. It can provide another way of showing the anxiety. And so you end up with sometimes a depiction of it that's equally as, as troubling as the real life part of it. Mm. But in, in, in what the dream can be doing is relating the dream to your previous memories and previous ways of thinking about the world and about your life. So, so it can be providing some type of uh, working through of what you've experienced during the day, just depicting it in a different way with a, a different way of looking at things. Mm. And presumably recurring dreams uh, can help us in our waking life if they point to something. Um, um, yeah, certainly change in if, behavior if they're recurring. Mm. Yes, certainly if dreams are recurring, that, that can be a sign that there's something there that's that's interesting about the person. I mean, one thing that we've done in uh, some of our work of discussing and painting dreams is that sometimes the person will, as well as telling the main one that they're telling, tell us about another one as well. And sometimes when that happens, you can spot a common theme between the two of them. And that can then be something that's really been on the person's mind. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in a, in, on a general sense, dreams are, are done to heal us, ultimately, to, to resolve issues. And, yes. Uh, yeah. yes, there is a healing aspect to it um, in that it can enable you to, to look at... They can point to parts of your life that you may be ignoring and that may need some new metaphor to think about. But the other healing aspect of them, and that's particularly important at the moment, is the fact that you can tell them to other people and that can increase other people's empathy towards you because it's yeah. a way of revealing yourself and sharing about yourself. Absolutely. Um, just as, as a general sort of roundup, because uh, just talking about anxiety people might be feeling, um, obviously one thing is is controlling the amount of, of information we are exposed to. I presume that would help us by not watching too much uh, news. But do you have any other sort of uh, well, uh, tips about just to, in terms of zenning us out a little bit? <laughs> yes, it's, it, it's very difficult. Yes, the dreams may very well be picking up on emotions that people are having. And so so one option is to to try to say be more calm during the day even if there are, are often for a lot of people reasons very much against that calmness mm. but in that case it may very well be that if people you know are watching the news because they actually want to know what's going on just be aware that it can then come into your dreams to show that these things are actually personally important to you mm. as well as just there on an intellectual level and I did hear a tip, I don't know where I saw it from, possibly YouTube, but uh, it was suggested that um, somebody should m monitor how it impacts them watching the news all the time and then have another day when they would, say, only watch uh, a certain bulletin, say, towards the end of the day, mm. and then cross-check with um, how that, if the information on both sides um, sort of impacted them. Did they need to, to see all that? Yes, no, that's true. Um, 
watching the news can be quite disturbing. I mean, obviously, there's this simple fact that it may be important to watch it full stop. Uh, but then there's the, the issue of how that then affects people afterwards. There was a famous study after 9-11, which found that people who'd watched a lot of news that day tended to dream much more about the events. Mm. And that this wasn't true for people who'd spoken to people a lot about it mm. instead. And so yes. it was as if the, the passive consumption of the news had got into their heads a lot more and, and disturbed them a lot more than so being able to be actively discussing it with other people. So one option is, rather than passively taking in the news, is to discuss it with other people and make sure that you're talking to lots of other people about what's going on. It's sort of getting it out, then... out, gets it out of your system, I guess. Yes, it, yes, and it, it, because you've then got some way in which you're actually being active, mm. that uh, from that study, it certainly implies that it's then less of an unresolved issue that's going on. Mm. Now, it may be that in discussing it with other people, you realise there's loads of unresolved things that you need to be doing about the current situation, but it it seems to be affecting you in a different way from just the passive receipt of what's on the television right so less news yeah. uh, more getting outside i guess getting some fresh air and uh, all the rest of it well it's it's partly that if you do watch the news be prepared for the fact that it can affect your dreams because it affects you but mm. we may all have in a way obviously a responsibility to be affected by it all yeah. Uh, oh, yeah but it's the idea that after watching it if you speak about it that could diminish the sense that mm. these things are unresolved and after all, people may find ways of, of resolving what the, the current situation is by discussing it with other people. If listeners are interested in the dreams that we've been discussing with people and the artworks produced by it, then these dreams and paintings could be seen on our website, which is dreamsid.com. And dreamsid stands for dreams illustrated and discussed. And we're also on Twitter at DreamsID, so people can see us there. And we're also on Facebook. Uh, if you look at DreamsID, it's actually called DreamsID2 there, but we have a page there at which we have the films of the paintings being made, as well as of the discussions occurring. And so you can hear people discussing their dreams and often getting quite aha emotional experiences when they realise where the particular components of the dreams come from. Oh, that sounds so interesting, and I, I, I would be fascinated to see the pictures and also the, the uh, you know, discussions about people's dreams, because we're all interested in, in stuff like that, and what does it all mean and everything. So, um, Professor Blagrove, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Corona Chronicles. I think you've uh, cleared up some myths, and, um, and we've learned a lot in the process. Right, well, thank you very much for inviting me. And do have a lovely night's sleep tonight, sir. <laughs> yes, and you and all the listeners as well. Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you. Sweet dreams that leave all worries far behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me Professor Mark Blagrove there, dream catcher extraordinaire. But now it's time for the latest corona-related world news, recorded early on Saturday the 30th of May. 
One of the government's top scientific advisers has warned that it's risky to relax lockdown restrictions because the infection rates of coronavirus are still very high. Professor John Edmonds from the London School of Tropical Hygiene and Medicine said easing the guidelines had been a political decision and many scientists would have waited. The number of new cases of COVID-19 remained relatively high at around 8,000 per day. He said that that level was unlikely to fall under a test and trace scheme. Moscow's authorities have more than doubled the official death toll from COVID-19 in the Russian capital for the month of April. The city's health department now says 1,561 people died from the disease, not 639 as initially announced. Globally, about 5.9 million people are confirmed to have been infected with the coronavirus and 363,000 have died. President Trump says the US is severing Washington's relationship with the World Health Organization, criticizing its handling of a pandemic and accusing it of being under the thumb of China. Mr Trump's critics say he is trying to deflect attention from his own handling of the outbreak. The UK's coronavirus furlough scheme will finish at the end of October, Chancellor Rishi Sunak has confirmed. At the number 10 briefing, Mr Sunak also set out how employers will have to start sharing the cost of the scheme. From August, employers must pay national insurance and pension contributions, then 10% of pay from September, rising to 20% in October. Also, workers will be allowed to return to work part-time from July, but with companies paying 100% of wages. Mr Sunak said the coronavirus job retention scheme will adjust so those who are able to work can do so. Greece will open its doors to tourists from 29 countries from the 5th of June, but they will not include the UK, France, Italy or Spain. A hospital that closed its doors to new patients yesterday because of a high number of coronavirus cases says that the source of the outbreak has been identified. It's been traced to an accommodation block inside the grounds of Western General Hospital. There have been a big reduction in the number of people fined for breaching lockdown rules since restrictions were eased two weeks ago. About 4,000 fines were handed down every two weeks after the restrictions were introduced in March. But in the fortnight after they were relaxed and penalties were increased, police in England issued less than 1,000. And finally, a gang of monkeys attacked a laboratory assistant and escaped with a batch of coronavirus blood test samples. It has been reported. The bizarre incident saw the troop of primates launch their assault near Meerut Medical College in Delhi, India. According to the local media, the animals then snatched COVID-19 blood test samples that had been taken from three patients and fled. One of the monkeys was later spotted in a tree, chewing one of the sample collection kits. The Times of India reported, adding that the test samples from the patients had to be taken again. The undamaged kits were later recovered. Well, it makes a change from cat up tree. And that's the news. Well, a big thank you again to Professor Mark Blagrove for joining us on Corona Chronicles today. And thank you at home for listening to this podcast. If you want to contact us about anything at all, we have an email address. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's coronachronicleshow at gmail.com. That's coronachronicleshow at gmail.com. Until next week, from me, Nick Randall, goodbye. Goodbye.